hitting Acts 28 today. Acts 28, the last chapter of Acts. I can't believe we're already through it. It only took, what, three years? You know, so I can't believe it's happened. I'm going to miss Acts. I love, I love the book of Acts. And it, we've had so much fun, but the, 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 especially because the whole focus is victory no matter what we are facing in our life, no matter what's going on in our church, whatever, <laughs> whatever is going on in our country, hmm, uh, whatever is going on, we can still live in victory through our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, just an awesome, awesome book. And as we finish up, we're in Acts 27, 28, we have five S's that we're working through. The first was Paul sails for Rome, and then we saw the storm and the shipwreck, and now we come to the stranded, and next time we'll be safely at Rome, kind of safely. That's where he's executed. But anyway, we'll deal with that next week. But the stranded, he's stranded. And, and the title for today is, Do You Feel Stuck? Do You Feel Stuck? And the rest of the title is, You're Not. You're Not. Acts 28, 1 to 10. One of my favorite shows as a kid was Gilligan's Island. Anybody like the Gilligan's Island? I know I'm dating myself. We get over from school, go running from the bus in to watch the Gilligan's Island reruns, you know. I love Gilligan's Island. And, uh, and uh, uh, we'll see who else knows. We'll see who else watch Gilligan's Island. I'm going to try this, all right? Just sit right back. Oh, no, I already messed it up. Just, just sit right back in a towel, a towel. Come on, Todd, come on, a towel. Oh, a faithful trip. That started on this tropic tidy uh, ship. I'm already losing it. The mate was a mighty sailing lad. The ship bird brave and true. Five passengers set sail that day on a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. We're going to do it all, but one, a little bit more. The weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The minnow would be lost. One more verse here. The ship sets sail. I'm losing it. With Gilligan, the skipper too. The millionaire. You should be up here. And his wife, the movie star, the professor and Mary Ann. All right, good. You guys know that. You know that. I should have. What's that? <laughs> All, right. All right. I need you guys up here, Lee, because I forgot a lot of the words. So I was trying to I pull, actually pull up the lyrics, but I still couldn't remember them. But how many times did we watch that and sing that? And, and the whole thing about this was that Gilligan and the crew was stuck on an island, right? They were stuck on an island. And maybe you are feeling stuck today, marooned in our life in some way. Trapped even. Nobody here can relate to any of this, right? Trapped even. And you might even be praying, God, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Well, we're going to see today that God often has a purpose for sticking us somewhere. Sticking us somewhere. He has a plan for our life even when we feel like we're stuck. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship. Thank you for those who can be here and those who are watching. We just pray for your mercy and grace to, to touch our hearts. We just pray for your mercy and grace, your Holy Spirit, to speak to us through your word. And if anybody has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, that today would be that day, the day of salvation. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, so let's pick it up here. Acts 28, 1 to 10. Uh, I guess I'll read off of here. <clears throat> Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on its hand. When the, passage, when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting for a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was a estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer... Prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. So we hear, uh, we see here Paul stranded on Malta, and then for my outline, when I outlined Acts for myself years ago, I put vipers in healing. So Paul is stuck on Malta. Why do I say he's stuck on Malta? Where was he going? Where was he called to go by God? Rome. He's supposed to go to Rome, right? So he's stuck. But he's there on this obscure, God-forsaken island. For uh, This is where he finds himself. Stuck on this obscure, God-forsaken island. He's stuck there. But we're going to see that's not God-forsaken at all. God hadn't forsaken it. He has a plan for these people, as we just already read. Not only, But not only is Paul stuck, Paul is also struck. He is struck by a poisonous viper. By a poisonous viper. He's struck by a poisonous viper. Um, I looked up some vipers here. I got an illustration here. Uh, here's what happens. The black mamba viper is from Africa, and if you're bit by this black mamba, you have 20 minutes before you're dead. There's also, in South America, a Bushmaster viper from South America. If you're bit by this, you have 30 minutes. So there's two vipers. You kind of get the idea, right? But if you're bit by the crate from Asia, you die after taking about seven steps. <laughs> that's how many steps you get before you die. Uh, and that's that's the, the viper in in uh, Asia. So we're not sure what kind of viper this was, but whatever it was, you don't want to get bit by a viper. There's all different times, and I have a whole longer list than that, but there's all different times of, of how long you'll die. Uh, the worst one being seven steps, obviously, but uh, they've never quite made it through. They said about because the person who bit was counting and never got quite to seven. But <laughs> anyway, uh, we're not sure which one Paul was bit by, but it was a bad one, right? It was bad, and they all expected him to die at any moment, at any moment. It was a bad one. But God protects him. Not only does God protect him, but he uses this attack to open a door for ministry, right? 
this opens the door. All of a sudden they're like, whoa, this guy's got something special here. God used that attack to open ministry doors. And that's often what God does. It reminds me of New Hope Community Church when we started the church here. There were many attacks. Well, those who were, any, uh, anybody remember? There were many attacks. Uh, it was crazy. We had the police been here for three months. You know, it's it just crazy. But it, it ended up being, all those attacks ended up being free advertising. Everybody, we're on the news, on the TV, we're in the newspapers all the time, weekly. It was on TV. We wake up, there we are on the TV. Uh, All kinds of crazy attacks, all lies, 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 fake news, right? But but they were going after us. But the whole town, it was free advertising, the whole town, everybody knew about New Community Church before we even opened our first service. It was crazy. Nothing that we have done since then has had such a great impact for reaching the people of New Hope and the surrounding towns. Nothing has been more effective for sharing the gospel than what happened through those attacks. God used the attacks to open many, many doors. It was crazy, right? Crazy. Many of the people who were attacking us, uh, a good number of them ended up part of our church family and becoming Christians. Crazy how God worked. So, Paul is stuck and he's struck But the snake couldn't hurt him. It couldn't hurt him because even though Paul was stranded there, God had a purpose, a ministry purpose for Paul on Malta. He stuck. God had a plan. He struck. God has a plan. Nothing could stop him. Nothing could hurt him because God has a ministry purpose for him. First of all, one ministry purpose was the sailors and the soldiers, right? Remember how they wouldn't listen to Paul, wouldn't listen to Paul. Finally, finally the storm and the shipwreck, and now they're stuck with Paul. They're stuck with him on his island. It's going to be three months, I believe. We'll see that next week. Uh, he has their full attention now, full attention. The, surviving the, the how he prophesied the angel said we're going to all survive they survive he has their full attention now they see him get bit and 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 uh and and in miracles and being stuck with paul had to be a huge eye opener for these guys they were stuck with him they now paul has their full attention you know full attention also, the islanders, there was a ministry purpose with the islanders. They think, they end up thinking because he survives a snake bite, they think he's a, a god, little g god, not the big g, the little g god, a god. But the ministry purpose is that they need to hear about the one true god, big g god, the one true god. And that was the ministry purpose. That's why he was there. Very, very important. And it's no accident that God, that Paul, that God landed Paul on this remote island. Do you ever think about that? It's no accident. God knew he was needed there. What, are, what, what was needed? What did they need? Healing, right? The, 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 his father probably would have uh, died. That Publius' father probably would have died of, of his sickness. Dysentery was very serious then. I had a, a great, 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 great grandpa who was in prison camp during the Civil War in Andersonville. And uh, he died of dysentery in that prison camp. He was captured in the Battle of the Wilderness and died there. He was on the farm where I grew up. He was a farmer there. And he died of dysentery. Very, very serious. Even now, you don't want to get it. But but then it was, it could oftentimes deadly. So he could have died. And many other islanders there also needed healing. They needed God's healing touch. And salvation. 
salvation, right? They're believing all these weird gods and stuff. You saw what, as we were reading that. God's sovereignty is shown here. God's sovereignty. It, it could have, would have been a long time before they heard about Jesus Christ on this island. But God had people that he wanted to be saved. He, he landed Paul there. He used all, everything. He wove it all together sovereignly and, and let them hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow, right? Maybe you are stuck somewhere. Stuck somewhere. Maybe you feel like your life is a shipwreck. Anybody feel that way? Nobody here live, but probably some live stream people feel that way. Even if we've messed up, and we've all messed up, do you feel like you've messed up? Welcome to the human race, right? Even if we've messed up, God still directs the storms. Still directs the storms. And he still directs where and when we crash. He's still in charge of that. Think of Jonah, right? Jonah had, you know, he, Jonah's going the wrong direction and God has him thrown into the sea and uses that storm and he, he lands right where God had a fish waiting to swallow him up. A very special fish waiting to swallow him up and, and deliver him, you know, to Nineveh. A little bit sticky and ooky at the time, but he got there, right? And, and so God, direct, God, even when we mess up, God still directs the storms and, and determines where and when we crash for his purpose. But we are often, that's, that's if something we mess up, but even we are often stuck through no fault of our own. No fault of our own. And we are like, why? why? I, didn't, what did I, I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't disobeying God, right? But God has a purpose even when that we're stuck through no fault of our own. God still has a purpose. And once we realize God's purpose for why and where we are stuck, like Paul, right? Understand why I'm there and where, I'm, where I am and why I'm there. Once we understand God's purpose, we can start moving forward toward God's purpose. We might not get out of our stuck place, but we can start seeing God's purpose achieved in and through us if we start to look for that. And, while, and also while we're waiting for God, like Paul, Paul was waiting for God, waiting to get off the island. While, you know, he's stuck there. He gets bit by a snake, right? And often while we are waiting on God, we're often attacked. We are attacked with discouragement. We get attacked with temptation. We get attacked by the snake. Who's our snake? Satan, he attacks. He's looking for that weak time, that down time, that discouraged time, that stuck time, that impatience time, right? And, and he attacks just, just, just like Paul, just like Paul was. But just like Paul, we are often spiritually attacked just before God is getting to ready to do something special, getting to ready to use us in some way. He's getting ready to use us, and that's, God's getting ready to use us, and that's when we get attacked. And we have to recognize if we're stuck, if we're hit hard, we have to remind ourselves, wait, what is God getting me ready for? How is he getting ready to use me in some way? How is he getting ready to answer those, that, that prayer for someone's salvation or, or an, an open a door for me in some way? How, when we were getting stuck... God must be prepared, getting stuck and struck. We, we, God must be preparing me for something special that he wants to accomplish for his purpose. 
I think of uh, this church when we're getting ready to plant this church 23 years ago. The year leading up to planting the church here in New Hope was the worst year of my life up till that point. It was the worst year of my life. It was more things. It was horrible. But it was all preparing me and my family to to have a a, a meaningful ministry here in New Hope. It was preparing us for really God working in a lot of amazing ways through attacks and also through fruits, many transform lives many of you sit listening to this watching this sitting here our lives were transformed because of this ministry here but we had lots of attacks it was brutal and we but we saw lots of fruit we have seen lots of fruit and and god though the the year leading up to that was horrible i was like why, why am i even trying to plant this church i i can't do it not in the condition i'm in but god god that's how he prepares us. Looking at, look, when you're stuck and when you're getting struck, think, what is God getting ready to do in my life? What is he getting ready to do? If we are a child of God, back to Paul being stuck, if we are a child of God, we are never stuck. We are never stranded. Never. We are never are. We are just waiting for God to show us why why we are where we are, right? We're not stuck. We're not stranded. We're just saying, God, show me why we, why am I where I am? Why are we where we are? That's what we're just waiting for. And, and God may <clears throat> confuse us at times. You ever been confused by God? God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, but it's because God never rarely goes in a straight line god uses what i call the the leading by detours yeah the detours uh but but he may allow the detours but we're never lost we have to start thinking of these as adventures adventures the detours are adventures right i remember one time uh after kim we had just been married for about a year or two and we were driving back from Chicago. I was at seminary. She was at college. And uh, driving back from Chicago to my parents' farm. And uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was the end of the semester. But I just remember driving back. And this is before Kim knew me very, very well. I said, why, why don't you go to sleep? It's a long ride, you know. Why don't you go to sleep 14, 15 hours, whatever it was. Go to sleep, and I'll, I'll just I'll drive the rest of the way. Because we're on the... We were, on the, we were coming through Canada at the time on the Queen EW. Anybody ever been on the Queen EW? And I was on the Queen E and uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth Highway there. And she says, okay. So she went to sleep, and I kept driving. And if you know me very well, I have a tendency to, like, daydream, you know, go into la-la land. And so I start daydreaming, and I'm daydreaming, and I'm just thinking. And it, and this was like, we were supposed to get there at 2 in the morning. You know, it was a long, you know, we left, and we were supposed to get there at 2. But around 2 in the morning, when we were supposed to be getting close to Niagara Falls, come out, come across the bridge at Niagara Falls into New York, there was no bridge. There was no Niagara Falls. And I'm like, where am I? I had driven right by Niagara Falls, and I was in Toronto. <laughs> And I said, what the? And Kim goes, what? what? She woke up. She's like, what? What's the matter? She goes, and I had to think quick. I had to think quick. Yeah. I said, well, you remember how you kept saying you just wanted to see Toronto? 
You've been wanting to say, I wish I could just see Toronto. Well, because she had said it several times, you know, when we were near Niagara Falls. I wish I could see Toronto. I, never been there. I go, I thought I'd surprise you. And here we are. <laughs> She's like, you got lost, didn't you? <laughs> I'm not lost. I know where I am. We just got to get back on the Queenie. E, go east now. Yeah. So we got a late uh, five in the morning or whatever. It was crazy. But, but some, God has a, I, I was an accidental detour, but God has a purpose for our detours. He has a purpose for our delays. There's always a reason for them. I've been reading uh, another book on the pilgrims, and uh, this was called uh, Make Haste from Babylon. I think that's the right title, Make Haste from ba- Making Haste from Babylon, talking about how the, the pilgrims were trying to get out of England because of all the persecution by the Church of England. And so, But it was really interesting. Uh, I was reading some quotes by William Bradford, who knows my great-great-great-great-great-grandpa, and he was comparing, as I was reading this book, he was comparing what happened to them when they made the crossing and where they landed at Plymouth Rock, which, by the way, I never mentioned this. My dad had a piece of Plymouth Rock. Did you know that? He visited with his class. They did a band trip to Massachusetts when he was a senior, and they saw Plymouth Rock, and when no one was looking, he jumped the fence, and he chipped off a piece, and he brought it home. He lost that piece of it. He did. How could you lose a piece of Plymouth Rock? He goes, well, and did you get arrested? No, nobody saw me. He got the piece. Now you can't get to it, I believe. But, but back then you could still get to it. But he had a piece of Plymouth. So if you see Plymouth Rock and there's a chip missing, that's somewhere in Appleton, New York, lost somewhere. But, uh, but uh, you know, he goes, I had a right to it. It's my grandpa's rock. So anyway, uh, but anyway, uh, when they landed at Plymouth Rock, he compared the predicament of how they landed there at that time to what happened to Paul being stranded on Malta. Because with the pilgrims, they were two months late leaving. They had so many breakdowns. They were two months leaving. It was freezing cold. They came really at the winter time, which was not the plan at all. And they were way, it went way off course, way off course. They weren't supposed to go anywhere near where they landed. And they landed in the wilderness. And, and they just were like, where, what happened? What are we going to do? How can we survive? And half of them didn't survive. Half the adults. Every kid survived. Amazing, right? Usually it's the kids who die, right? The ki- every kid survived, but half the adults died that first year. But it was this wilderness. But it turned out, as William Bradford brought out so clearly later on, it turned out it was the exact time and the place that God wanted them. Because where they landed, there were no hostile tribes. There were some friendly tribes, but there was a hostile tribe that had been the, tortured all the Indian tribes of that time. And, and, and if they saw any uh, East Europeans land, they would kill them instantly. They had all died off because of a plague. All died. They were gone. And uh, also, there was a, a very important person waiting for them who ended up saving Plymouth Colony. Squanto, Squanto, all right? Squanto, he was taken as a, a slave. He was kidnapped, taken as a slave to Europe. He was some, uh, some priests bought his freedom. He learned English. He, uh, they, they, he, brought, they, he ended up coming back home. He was returned. And he, what are the odds at that exact place? There'd be a Squanto who showed them how to survive in the new world and helped them survive. He was the best friend. They only made it because there was Quanto. Wild, right? And so that's 
what happened to the pilgrims is, is exact. They were saying that's just what happened to us is what happened to Paul. God has a reason. And a lot of us have the same thing. We're like, why? Why here? Why now? If we feel stuck, it's vital that we, we focus on what is God's purpose. Purpose. Where do you want me to go, God, to make an impact here? Who do you want me to go to? Who needs, who needs us? Who needs the gospel and to be saved? Who needs ministry in some way, some kind of healing in some way? God, I'm stuck here. What, what, where are you leading me to, to, to minister? What, and even a better way to look at it, what adventure are you taking me on? You know, what detour, what adventure? What mission impossible has God brought us to in the place we are at. Think of Paul. Talk about Mission Impossible. You know the Mission Impossible movies and how you know you know wild and crazy. But Paul's life was really a Mission Impossible. He's arrested. He's taken by force on this ship. He they survived this storm, which was crazy. Remember we studied the storm. It was insane insane storm the shipwreck like surviving a plane crash is what he like survived it was incredible and then on top of that a poisonous snake bites him which should have killed him instantly right and and then after that happens he has superpowers not only can he not be killed but he can heal people you know he has these superpowers think of spider-man he's bit by that spider right and now he has his superpowers you know and he can help all these people that was paul he's the original spider-man right uh viper viper man all right and and this, he has his power it's it's crazy right but but that's the adventure that paul paul was taken on and that's what god accomplished through him do you do you do we feel stuck do we feel trapped even let's look for our mission impossible which and that mission impossible might just be you the Mission Impossible might just be us. might not even be what God's looking to do at this very moment, but it might be him working incredible changes in our lives, in and through us, but also in us. That might be what God is trying to uh, not might It is what God is trying to do. God's main purpose might be to refine us. It might be to prepare us. It might, just like Paul was really being prepared for his Rome. You don't think that pumped him up? Survived all this crazy stuff? Bit by a snake? Goes, heals all these people? It's all preparing him to go to Rome to face, you know, the ultimate test. Which ultimately results in his his death. His being beheaded for Christ. Which we're going to hit down the road. You know, but God was preparing Paul. And God is preparing us. God often keeps us waiting. Look at the Bible. All the places where God keeps somebody waiting as he's preparing them. What are some people in the Bible we saw prepared by waiting? Anything jump to mind? Daniel. Daniel. Yes. Daniel. Joseph in prison. He didn't do anything wrong. And he's in prison, right? Waiting. But God was preparing him. Anybody else jump to mind? Moses, 40 years in the desert looking after stinking sheep. I only had one lamb. I can't imagine, you know, 40 years with a whole flock, you know. You talk about trapped. He went from a prince of Egypt to a, to a shepherd out in the desert. Yeah. How about David in his cave? Stuck with all these 400 misfits in a cave. He's already been anointed. 
supposed to be the king. Stuck in a cave with a bunch of misfits. God often, God always works while we're waiting. While he keeps us waiting. He's working. He's working in us, but he's also working. He's working while we're waiting. He's working on the world. He's working on the church. He's working on people's lives and our lives. He's working on all that, and he's preparing us. He's setting us all up for the starter's pistol. Do you feel like we're ready for a starter's pistol in the USA today? We feel every morning I wake up like, what's happened now, right? You know, it's just what is going on? Looking at the Bible, looking at the news, you know, you can see so many things. But feel like we're waiting for his starter's gun. But while he's setting all that up, it's like we're waiting for a starter's gun. Everybody ever run? I remember we ran cross country. We'd all line up on that line, all big mob of guys. And we're just waiting for the gun. And it was like torture because torment. Oh, here it comes and it's going to be hard. But we're waiting, just waiting. And, and same thing with swimming. When, we, when I swam, we'd be up on the block waiting and just waiting for the, them to shoot the gun off and for us to go. And that's what that's painful while we're waiting it's it's stressful while we're waiting it's hard to wait isn't it it's hard to wait but god is working on something in us he's preparing us he's teaching us dependence teaching us dependence remember last time we looked at uh for second corinthians 1 8 and 9 we were uh i'm going to start at about halfway through there where he says we were under great pressure Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. Raises the dead. Learning to be completely dependent. Completely dependent. That God, while we're waiting, God is teaching us dependence. Really, really important lesson. Uh, vital, vital lesson before we can hear that starter's pistol shoot off, before he can send us. He's preparing everywhere, all around, but he's also preparing us for what he's calling us to do. I remember when I was uh, went on a mission trip to India many years ago now, and I went with Gospel for Asia, which is a tremendous mission organization, went to India. We were training church planters there. We had pastors, and we would do Bible lessons and, and prepare them for their, their ministries. They do seminary a lot different. They just It's like boot camp. They call it boot camp. And they just come for six months and they just get immersed in the word. And they just go out and do evangelism all the time. And then they just are sent out to a village to plant the church. It's just wild. That's why God's working in such a powerful way. They're just wild. But I just loved it. I love being in India. I love being with these, these uh, young men. And I, want, we just had, I had such a bond with them. And it was getting ready to go. It was a couple of days. It was ready to go. And, and they said, do you want to come out witnessing on the streets with us? And you could preach. And we'll we'll uh, translate it. So I went out with them. We all got in a van. It was wild. They had a little speaker. Rob, you would have you, you loved this. They had a little microphone and speaker. And, and they were trying to make it so everybody could hear. They, they just rigged everything. It was crazy. And we're in this van. And they're all singing, singing, singing. And I remember they were singing. I still remember the song. Greater is he was in you than he was in the world. They just kept singing that song over and over. And then we got there and we did witnessing. They let me do a little bit of preaching. And they translated. Then we did all this witnessing. And we had such an awesome, awesome time. And I knew the next day was going to be my last day there. And then they said, uh, so we were really bonding. And uh, and then they said, let's stop and get something to eat. Now, whenever we were always told, if you 
make sure the, the, the guys who ran the, this, this boot camp said, only give the food we give you, you know, and only drink the water we give you, you know, because it's got to be safe. It's got different bacteria than you're used to. It's not bad. It's just different bacteria, right? Uh, <clears throat> and so we stopped, and but there's such a bond, and they're getting the food. They gave me some, and I, I just, I'm like, I'm going to be one of these guys, and I ate the food. I remember it was so good, so good. And then they, then we also got something to drink. It was orange Fanta. There's nothing wrong with orange Fanta, but who knows how it was made and when it was bottled, where, you know, it had different bacteria. <clears throat> so I drank the, the, the orange Fanta, and we had a great time. And I remember going back to my room, and I remember waking up early the next morning, and I thought I was going to die. It was unbelievable. The room was just spinning, 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 and and it's as sick as you could be. I, I, I just, I just, the only, I would just crawl to the, I can't say toilet because there was just like a hole in the ground there, but because uh, it's a whole different world, different world where I was. You know, India's a wide range of things, obviously. Uh, some some are very advanced and some are more rustic, just like the United States, for that matter. And But I remember going to that little spot and just I was as sick as you could be. It was just horrible, horrible, horrible. But uh, all I, you know, it was, it was bad. And I just remember just saying, God, I need your mercy and grace. I just need mercy and grace. Because I had promised these guys that I would come to the camp. And they wanted me to hike up this mountain. They called it Prayer Mountain. And they said, no American pastor. I know some of you maybe a couple of years ago, I might have told this story. They said, no American pastors ever walked up this mountain and prayed at the top of this before. I go, those wimps, I'll do it. I promise you guys, I'm going to do it. I'll walk up that Prayer Mountain and pray with you guys, wimpy American pastors. So, so I knew I promised them. And they had, that, they had a special prayer time up there all the time. They wanted me to come up. So I, I'm sick of that sick. And, and and finally, I I managed to get to the phone. Uh, I had to talk to somebody at the hotel. I said, please call and let them know that they can come pick me up. Send a van. They had a van that would come pick you up. And so they sent the van to come and get me, and I don't even know how I got into the van. I was so dizzy, and I was trying not to, uh, you know, expectorate. And uh, it was it was terrible. And and uh, I get in this van, and I totally forgot what it was like to ride in India. In India, you ever see Indiana Jones when they were, you know, trying to escape the Nazis, and he's swerving and knocking everybody over, and everybody's, like, on these motorbikes and cows? And that's what it was like where we were in India. It, we were a very rural, rustic area. And he, this guy's just swerving. It was like a roller coaster. He's, that's how they, he drove. You know, you got, and you only get in trouble if you hit something, and then you got to give them money if you hit somebody. That's how they handled things at that time. It may be different now. This was, like, 30 years ago. And so, <clears throat> but... He, he he was swerving, and I'm like, this can't be happening. You know, I, we're, I'm sick of that sick swerving. I'm like, God help me, God help me, God help me, not to get killed and not to die on the way. I was so sick, and I finally get there, and the whole group of young men were there waiting for me. They all came running up so excited to me because we had this beautiful bond. I just love these guys. They're just wonderful guys, and they all came running and said. And they could see what I look like. <laughs> they go, are you okay? I go, I'm okay. He go, 
did you vomit? I go, oh, yeah, I vomited plenty, you know, and because uh, they didn't do the V thing, you know. So they go, vomit. I go, yeah, I vomited plenty, yeah. So they said, okay, let's get started. I'm like, okay, here we go. And I could hardly walk, but they saw the shape I was in. So I remember the, they grabbed both sides of my arms. They all wanted to help me. It was just beautiful. And they, they're helping me start to take this hike. And they, they're, I got a guy on each arm. We're kind of walking up. I'm walking slow. <laughs> like I would now. And and they were helping me up the rocks. There was these rocks you had to climb up and all this stuff. And but about halfway up I started feeling better. And they're giving me some water. I had my water and I go, I feel better. I go, it's not that bad, you know. Even as sick as I am, I'm hiking this up I'm doing pretty well. I go, Why why don't why didn't an American ever pastor ever climb up this mountain? It's not really that bad. They go, Oh, it's because of the, the wipers. I go, the wipers? Wipers. You know, Snakes, vipers, uh, vipers, you know, vipers. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, it's really called Viper Mountain, but we renamed it Prayer Mountain because we pray at that. I go, there's, there's vipers everywhere. I go, ah, great, you know. Now I'm like looking paranoid, you know, scared. I was scared. I was like, Kim's going to kill me if I get killed. And so I'm like going up and... And I'm like, now I'm not only, I'm afraid I'm, I'm not only going to feel like I'm going to die, but now I'm going to feel like I'm going to be killed, right? It was crazy. I'm watching every step, praying, God, please protect me from the wipers. Please, God, protect me. You know, a total dependence. We finally get to the top of this mountain and got there and no viper bites. And, and it was an amazing view. I can't, you just, India is just a beautiful country. And just this amazing view you could see forever on this mountain over these valleys. And it was a, we had this time of prayer, just a crazy time of prayer. It was all worth it. And so often that's what happens when God leads us somewhere. He, we, he, he, he takes us to some very uncomfortable places. He sticks us and stucks us and takes us some very uncomfortable places. But, when, but, but it's for his purpose. And, and when we when we get when we see his purpose, we transcend that and, and we we reach a place of total dependence. And and I never forgot that lesson. I'm not saying I always remember to be totally dependent, but I never forgot how I learned this lesson. That, that total dependence is a really important lesson. Are you stuck? Are you waiting on God? Are you looking for his purpose? Don't waste the time. So many times we waste the time. We, we are like, our whole focus is, God, get me out of here. Instead of focusing on, God, what are you trying to do in and through me here? Right? And we waste that time. We have, we have to let God work in and through us. Very, very important when we are stuck. In fact, I want to just uh, read a couple of verses from 2 Corinthians 4, which Paul also wrote. I want to encourage you to hang on to these verses and meditate on them because they're so powerful. It, Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that there's all surpassing powers from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That is powerful, 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 total dependence. I want to encourage all of us to really meditate on this very thing and that very thing, those, that, the word there. And maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you're watching this today and you've never put your faith 
in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. But maybe you are stuck. Well, you're stuck in your sins for sure. But maybe you are stuck in a whole other way, not just in your sins and under judgment, but you're also stuck because God is trying to get your attention. He often does that before we put our faith in Christ. He gets us stuck. He tries to get us our attention. He allows us to get into a mess so that we will listen to him and that we'll call out to him. And you might be in that place in your life where you're such a mess that God has put you there to, to, to get you to listen to God finally and to call out to him. I remember when I was young, I was three. I actually called my dad yesterday and checked. Uh, my, I said, well, how old was I when this happened? I was three years old, and I was out helping my dad milk the cows. And I, and I was three, but I remember it very, very well. It was like yesterday. And, and back then, it was very primitive milking. You'd have a machine milk, and it would go into like this little tank hanging off of the, 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 the milker. And then when it got after you finish each cow, you would open that up, you'd take it over, and there was a bucket. You'd pour the milk in the bucket. And then you would take the bucket when it got full, and you'd carry it into the milk house and pour it into the, bol- the milk tank. The bulk tank, we called it, the milk tank. You'd pour it in there. So each time you milked the cow, you would do this. But So my dad was milking the cows, and he had this bucket full of milk, and it was just getting full, almost ready to carry to the milk, to the, to the milk house, which was not maybe... 10 yards from where we were at the time. We were almost done milking the cows. But I was out there helping my dad so much, right? And he had another friend there who was talking. I remember his friend. I can't remember who his friend was, and my dad couldn't remember either. But there was a friend there talking. And, and I was kind of goofing around like little boys do. And I remember I was walking backward, you know, in between the cows are both face this way, and there's an area you could walk. And I was walking between the two gutters. I was walking backward, walking backward, and I ended up, walking and backing and falling right into the bucket of milk. I was in that bucket of milk, and I couldn't get out. My arms were out, my legs were out, my head was out, but I was completely stuck there. And, and I was stuck, and I remember I was scared, and, and I was ashamed because a friend was there, and I was just, I was just remember being so embarrassed that I'm sitting in this bucket of milk. And I was soaked, too. I was soaked. And I started freaking out, screaming and crying. You know, I'm going to die. You know, I'm going to drown. I was just screaming. But my dad was right there. He comes running over. He was laughing. You know, and his friend was laughing, which made me even more embarrassed. He fishes me out, and he carried me right into the house, uh, ran me right into the house. It was only like, you know, 50 yards away. He ran me into the house, handed me to my mom, soaking wet. My mom took me, I'll never forget, she peeled off the clothes, took me up, gave me a bath, got me all washed up. I was done crying. I was calming down. It got me in my pajamas, and, and I got down just as my dad was coming in from finishing, and I remember running up all excited to see my dad in my pajamas, showing him that I was okay. I was okay. And often, that's where we are God allows that to happen in our life. He allows us to crash. He allows us to get stuck because we haven't put our faith in Jesus Christ. He, maybe your life has been going in the wrong direction. You've been going backward. Now you're stuck in a mess. You're stuck in your sin and your shame and a mess. But God can get us out of any bucket. He can get us out of anything. He can clean us up no matter how bad the mess is. How bad a mess. God can clean us up. And, and, and if we will cry out to him, just like I was stuck in the bucket, help, help, Dad. He, he will reach out and, and take us out of that. If we will cry out to him, if we will surrender our life to him, if we will repent 
Stop walking backwards. Start walking in the right direction. If we will repent of, of the, the sin in life, if we will ask for forgiveness, if we will put our faith in Jesus Christ, trust him. Reach out to him. Let him take us. Put our trust in him. Faith means to put our trust in. Hang on to him. That's what the Lord literally means in the Greek. Faith means to cling to, to hang on to. If we will do that, Jesus will save us. He will save us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Have you been saved? Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Or are you still stuck? Stuck in shame? Stuck in a mess of our own making, our sin? Stuck in our sin, stuck in our sin because until Jesus washes us off, we are under the power of sin and the world and Satan and headed to hell, an eternity in hell without Jesus Christ, judgment. But if we will cry out to Jesus, if we will repent, if we will ask for forgiveness, everything we've ever done that goes against God's word, that broke our relationship with God our Father. If we will put our faith in Jesus, who died on the cross in our place, took our sin, our shame, who came back from the dead to give us a brand new life. If we will put our faith in him, Have you ever taken that step of faith? Have you ever prayed the prayer of faith? You could be putting your faith in Christ right now in your heart. But I always encourage people to to put an exclamation point on it by praying a simple prayer of faith. It's the faith that saves, not the prayer. It's the faith that saves. But it's just an exclamation point. God, I... I'm stuck. I'm stuck in shame. I'm stuck in sin. I have no way out except Jesus. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I repent and ask for your forgiveness of everything in my life that goes against your word and your will. I put my faith in you, Jesus. My hope in you, Jesus. To save me. 
to give me life now here on this earth, real life and life forever with your Father someday. I put my faith in you. If you have prayed that prayer of faith in your heart, then Jesus has just washed you clean. He has lifted you up out of your mess. He has washed you clean. He has made it possible for you to run to your heavenly Father now, excited for God's mercy and grace on a daily basis. You can now run to Him. And I want to encourage you, if you've put your faith in Jesus, to let somebody know. Maybe you have a friend or family member that has witnessed to you or prayed for you or encouraged you. Maybe you have somebody at work or school. You can get a hold of me and tell me. I'd be thrilled to hear about it. Our email is nhcc at comcast.net. But tell someone so that we can be excited for you and, and help you grow in your new life in Christ. And for those of us who are already Christians, how's the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are you starting to see that you're not stuck, but you're right where God wants you to be? And refocusing on what God is trying to do in us and through us, right where he has us. Father, I pray that for every one of us, that your Holy Spirit would help us to wait and to grow in our waiting time. In Jesus' name, amen.